Western Conference final run, uh, in, which was really the, the last, until this season, was the last really big run in Denver Nuggets history. Um, you could argue that the 2009-2010 run, actually 2008-2010 to 2010 run, was a right up there with among the Nuggets' best in history, right up there with the two, 85 and 86, um, excuse me, 84 to 86, and then 74 to 78. Um, this right here culminated in the Western Conference Finals. What I'm going to do today is briefly wrap up the regular season, which there wasn't a ton of memorable moments uh, in the regular season that year. That's kind of one of the reasons I, I kind of skipped over that and, and we're really going to focus on the playoffs. What I'm going to do is focus on the uh, New Orleans Hornets uh, series in the first round and the Dallas Mavericks uh, series in the second round. Uh, forgive me if you hear background noise. I'm actually driving from Dunkin' Donuts where I got uh, some uh, decaf coffee. So uh, I'm going to be driving back home here. So what we are, what the Nuggets did in 2009 was simply be able to sustain what they got in the regular season into the playoffs. Something that they had not been able to do uh, the previous five years, uh, four or five years under George Carl. Um, the Nuggets up until that point were a, a team that would stack up regular season wins as much as they could. Uh, and then they would reach the playoffs and they would inevitably reach uh, a, a superior opponent. Uh, be it San Antonio, be it the 2008 Lakers... Uh, and one particularly embarrassing uh, year, it was the Los Angeles Clippers who tanked uh, several games at the end of the year in order to get to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets that season, there wasn't a, like a lot of ton of standout moments, but it was it was sustained good greatness throughout the season, much like this year. Uh, a couple good moments was uh, uh, J.R. Smith going off for I think eight or nine three pointers in one game. Uh, it was the game where they wore their green uniforms. Uh, there was Chris Birdman Anderson spiking the ball off of Rudy Fernandez's face, uh, which was uh, an amusing moment. Um, and there's also uh, Carmelo Anthony, most notably, uh, on one occasion having a great moment, which was his 33-point quarter against the uh, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Kurt Rambis's Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, an otherwise awful team that somehow uh, the Nuggets had a competitive game with and needed every one of Carmelo's points uh, in that quarter. Um, you also have Carmelo Anthony refusing to come out of a game uh, versus the Indiana Pacers and uh, getting suspended for one game. And upon his return, uh, when he was replaced, he ran to the bench. It was, it was kind of an amusing moment. Other than that, the really the, the, the story of the 2008 season was Chauncey Billups uh, and what he was able to do to settle down this this really talented but uh, not very disciplined Denver Nuggets team. And Chauncey Billups coming back home. Uh, ESPN wrote a gigantic article uh, about Chauncey returning to back to Denver. Um, it was one of those feel-good, you know, it's like what, if they did a video of it, it would have that, you know, 
it would be Tom Rinaldi and he'd be there would be violins in the background and all that stuff. That's it. It was one of those stores, but it was good and everyone ate it up. Denver loves Chauncey, uh, and that point was driven home even further uh, during that season, where he returned home for the second stint with the Nuggets, you know, and uh, came back and uh, did something that uh, teams had not been able to do for uh, 25 years, heading up to that point. Um, the Nuggets kind of stumbled towards the end of the year, and ended up with tied with Portland after leading the division pretty substantially uh, through most of the year, uh, ended up tied with Portland for the division lead, but the Nuggets won the division uh, because of a tiebreaker. And that tiebreaker really was the key to getting the Nuggets that second spot, which which was something that really the Nuggets were needed and they were gunning for big time. Um, in the past, the Nuggets were the eighth seed. I think the highest they got was number, like a, like a six seed in the previous George Carl years. And it really resulted in them, as I said before, getting opponents that they didn't match up well against. And I believe actually there was a, there was a three seed one year, um, which resulted in the Los Angeles Clippers uh, beating the Nuggets, as I said, embarrassingly, uh, in 2006. Uh, that resulted in uh, Kenyon Martin getting suspended. Uh, that's another story. Um, so the Denver Nuggets really, really wanted that two seed, and they got it. And I believe the Blazers fell all the way down to the fifth seed that year. And it was something that resulted in them uh, getting a first-round exit. So the Nuggets uh, go into playing the New Orleans Hornets in a uh, a series that they actually, it was an extremely favorable matchup to them. I believe they won the ser- season series against the uh, Hornets that year. And they um, were playing a slightly hobbled, and it, the, the extent at which Tyson Chandler was injured has been exaggerated to the point of uh, mythic status. Um, I will tell you right now, Tyson Chandler wasn't that injured. He was playing on one leg, but he wasn't that injured. Uh, He was uh, well enough to play, and, you know, he didn't, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, it gets exaggerated, is that he didn't play very well against Nene. And I believe that really, really kind of exaggerated over time. Uh, how injured he was. Two years later, he would win a title with the uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. That's neither here nor there. Um, what to note about that that series was a couple things. The Chauncey Billups' first game uh, in Nuggets uniform in the playoffs, where he hit eight three pointers, was a great, great moment. Um, the crowd was into it. It was just you. You just watch that if you if. Sometimes the game ends up on YouTube before it gets taken down. I would watch it. Uh, it's it's a, it's fun. It's fun to watch. If by the way, if you're hearing background noise, that's the air conditioner going because finally the weather is good in Denver. Um, the it was a great moment and uh, the crowd really ate it up and that really would propel the Nuggets in the first half and otherwise they were kind of scuffling a little um, in several instances. Um, they were struggling to. Uh, 
sustain offense in the first quarter. And really in the second quarter, Chauncey's threes propelled them, and then in the second half they pulled away. Um, same, Similar pattern with the uh, second game, only the Nuggets didn't, uh, Chauncey didn't hit eight three-pointers. Uh, but it really was uh, a great defensive effort, uh, particularly by uh, Chris Anderson, who really kind of altered uh, some of the things that the, the um, uh, Hornets wanted to do and Byron Scott. Um, but really what this series is known for, other than Chauncey Billups' uh, uh, big game one, was the 58-point smackdown that the Denver Nuggets put on uh, the, the Hornets in game four. Now, the Nuggets narrowly, and I do mean narrowly, lost game uh, three. It was, it was a really, really close loss. Um, they, I believe it was a Chris Paul basket at the end that ended up giving the Hornets the win, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was that close. And the Nuggets ended up coming back for Game 4, and you're like, okay, this series could be 2-2. Game 4 has gone down as one of the weirdest and biggest beatdowns in in, uh, playoff history. Um, uh, The Nuggets ended up winning by 58 points, uh, just pounding the crap out of the uh, New Orleans Hornets, and then ended up uh, really what happened according to people that I have spoken to who were around at the time, and I may be breaking some news here, I don't know if this wasn't said already, but the Hornets kind of quit on Byron Scott, uh, Chris Paul included. It was a... I was told that there were several players who were upset with Scott over an incident, and uh, they just refuse to show up. Now, obviously, who knows if it's 100% true, uh, but you, do can, you can tell that the, the Hornets basically quit. This wasn't a, a situation where the Nuggets were uh, hitting miracle shots at a prodigious rate uh, and just making everything. The Nuggets were making easy, easy baskets. They had everything basically open. There was no defense played. Um, by the by, the Hornets. It was it was one of the more. If if I was on the receiving end of that, I would consider that the high point of embarrassment uh, of my basketball team's you know history. They really did. It just seemed like they laid down. And from what I'm understand, that there were several players who were very upset at Byron Scott. Um, it's no surprise that Byron Scott was uh, fired the following season, I believe. Um, and so the Nuggets just absolutely cleaned their clocks in Game Game 4 and went up 3-1. And in Game 5, the game was more competitive. In fact, the, the, the uh, Hornets were leading at some point. But the Nuggets did end up pulling away again in the second half, uh, following a similar pattern to the one that they had in the first two games. And had uh, one of the their first round series for the first time since 1994, which was incredible. Uh, the euphoria, as someone who was living in Denver at the time, the euphoria was unbelievable. People were just relieved to get the monkey off their backs. You know, I give Denver a lot of crap for uh, really kind of going away from Nuggets fandom, uh, but 
to put this in context, the Broncos had gone through uh, like four straight years of mediocrity uh, leading up to that Western Conference Finals appearance, and uh, they had just, I believe, fired Mike Shanahan. And the Avs, I think, weren't in the playoffs that year, and the Rockies, uh, I believe, actually, the, the funny thing is the Rockies uh, made that incredible run in 2009 right as the Nuggets were in the playoffs. So they were going on that big streak that they went in after they fired Clint Hurdle. And uh, that they reached the point where the Nuggets were the Nuggets were um, basically the only game in town. So the town really kind of went behind them. And uh, the fever pitch that uh, led up to the Dallas series was, was, was incredible. I, in fact... Even with this playoff run, the Nuggets went on in 2019. The 2009 one, it was, it's hard to describe how much euphoria there was in Denver at the time. It was just people were just excited uh, about these Denver Nuggets. And a lot of it had to do with celebrating Chauncey Billups. Celebrating Chauncey Billups. Um, really, it, it, was, it was such a feel-good story that I think the town bought into an extent that you, know, you rarely see. You rarely see in this in this city, specifically with basketball. So the Nuggets uh, go into the Dallas series. Now this is the thing about the Dallas series. The Nuggets knew, and I believe that the Mavericks beat the the Blazers in the first round, or was it the the, the Spurs? No, I think it was the Blazers. Um, one of those teams. Um, the the Mavs were um, a great matchup, particularly that Mavs team, were a great matchup for the Denver Nuggets. Um, for whatever reason, I am stepping out of my car right now. Um, for whatever reason, those Mavs teams were, I, I believe the Nuggets swept them that year, 4-0, uh, in, in the regular season. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a clinic the Nuggets put on. It was an absolute clinic. Uh, I believe there was, that was, during that season, there was one game where Chris Anderson had four blocks and one possession. It was one of the more remarkable, uh, one of the more remarkable things you will see. Um, the, the Mavs were just outmatched by the Denver Nuggets. And as much as Rick Carlisle is a tactician, and really, really a good tactician, uh, basketball tactician, uh, very well regarded in uh, uh, media circles as being a great coach. Um, Carlisle was, couldn't counter the Nuggets' moves. Uh, they were largely... It, it, was, it was like they couldn't... They couldn't get Dirk to where he was. He was dominant, but Dirk wasn't Dirk dominant. His, he got his points, but he got his points in the first half. Uh, he got a lot of them in the first half, and he wasn't he wasn't getting those crucial points that he used to that he would get in the 2006 and 2007. Um, he was getting different. He, they were coming in the first. You know, I, I, someone pointed this out on Twitter, um, uh, and I, I will credit you for this. Is absolutely right. Um, uh, Kenyon Martin's hard foul on Dirk in game one 
didn't li- he didn't limit Dirk. I mean, Dirk went off. <laughs> Dirk had his points, but it's how he got his points that was the, that was the big difference. Dirk would get crucial points in the fourth quarter, and he did in one game, and that was game uh, game four. Um, but largely, the difference was not Dirk. It was Josh Howard. Remember Josh Howard? Josh Howard was a big, uh, big factor for those uh, mid two thousands Mavs teams, right? He specific, you know, when you go back to uh, the Avery Johnson years, where you know he looked like he was going to be a breakout star. Uh, there was just the, the the feeling that Josh Howard was going to be the next, you know, great two guard. Funny thing happened is Dante Jones, much like he did in the first round when he harassed the crap out of um, Chris Paul, did the same to Josh Howard in a way that he completely shut him down. And then Josh Howard, I believe, hurt his ankle in game two and was never the same afterward. That is where the Mavs were let down. Um, Obviously, the Nuggets were matched up really well with that Mavs team anyway. Um, but it was even better. The, the Mavs, you know, the, the Nene had a gr- great first two games and a last uh, uh, in game five. Um, in fact, his points were, I mean, he was dominant. Nene was absolutely dominant. You know, Nene's had a long career, and Nuggets fans will tell you he was an exceedingly frustrating player because he was ex- he was passive at weird moments. Um, he would be two inches from the cup and then suddenly uh, just pass it to the three-point three line, which is common practice now but wasn't back then. Um, Nene didn't do that then because he was, you know, had an altruistic, I'm going to get the three, threes more than two. Uh, it was because, you know, largely uh, he was just passive. <laughs> it was just plain and simple. And Nene kind of suffered from that in road games. Um, he did really well at home, but for some reason in road games, he just he didn't get those thunderous dunks that he would. I mean, Nene was huge. Um, he was, for being 6'9", he was just enormous, and George Carl played him at center, even though Nene hated it. It was a big factor in those first, in three of those five games that they were played in that series. Um, of course, game three, was the crucial and pivotal game where the Nuggets, it was nip-tuck the entire game. And Carmelo Anthony, uh, Carlisle tried to intentionally foul um, Carmelo Anthony. And the refs didn't call it, and Melo nailed a three, putting the Nuggets up by one. And it was a, uh, it was a moment where I, I, I swear, as someone who was watching it at the time, who was not, who was commenting on... Uh, well, I believe it was pickaxe and roll at the time uh, when Nate Timmons was running it. And I remember saying, how the hell did he not foul him there? <laughs> but I think they, they tried, I forget who was the one who was trying to foul him, but it wasn't, it didn't work. And uh, it, was a, it was a weak attempt at a foul. I mean, you've got to make it, somebody, you know, you, it's, as I said on this podcast before, you've got you to gotta get your money's worth, and he didn't get his money's worth on that. And the, the refs didn't call it. And Carmelo nails that three-pointer. It was one of his best games of his playoff career. 
uh, along with uh, along with game four, which the Nuggets lost in, in another close game, uh, which Dirk took over was the one game he was able to take over in the fourth quarter. Um, game five was a triumphant triumphant game for the Nuggets. Uh, they pulled away starting in the second quarter. Obviously, the uh, the, the Mavs made it a little closer uh, in the with a comeback in the fourth, but. The Nuggets with a couple of extremely thunderous Kenyon Martin dunks, uh, specifically one alley oop from J.R. Smith, was brought the house down. Kind of crushed them in the in the fourth quarter, uh, later in the fourth quarter, and ended up beating the uh, beating the Mavs and sending the Nuggets to their first Western Conference Finals since uh, 1985. And the significance of that is should not be downplayed. You know this this. This season, the Nuggets couldn't close out the Game 7 to go to the Western Conference Finals. Um, That Nuggets team in 2009 was significantly older than this team. Uh, It was extremely talented at multiple positions. I really do think this year's squad um, is extremely talented, but not to the extent that 2009 team was. I mean, you look at that and you got a... How many high... You had three lottery picks in the starting lineup. No, excuse me, yeah, excuse me, four lottery picks in the starting lineup. Nene, Kenyon Martin, uh, Chauncey Billups, Carmelo Anthony. Or, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just, and, and when you think about that and you think about the talent that was on, including J.R. Smith, the ultimate wild card, you think about the talent that was on that Nuggets team, it really, really puts into perspective how much they didn't accomplish and how much they should have accomplished. Um, leading to the next round, where really it was... I, got to, I mean, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about the 2009 Western Conference Finals and the opportunities missed. But more than that, you saw a Nuggets team scare the piss out of the Los Angeles Lakers, who were just assuming they were going to go to the NBA Finals. And that led to a dramatic move by the Lakers in the offseason, which I will talk about on the next CSG special. There's going to be more of these uh, this summer. Uh, honestly, it, I will leave it to Denver Nuggets Daily, to Locked On Nuggets, to the BSN Nuggets pod. Uh, I will leave it to them to discuss the ins and outs of and break down the nuts and bolts of the Nuggets. You come to me because you you like to hear stories, and you want to hear stories about the Nuggets, and I appreciate that. Uh, CSG, the longest-running Nuggets podcast in the country, uh, still serving you since November of 2011, and we're going to keep going on and on and on. I'll be talking to you guys later. Goodbye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.